book of Genesis. You don't even have to go far in the book of Genesis, just the third chapter. Uh, so I'm making it easy on you uh, today. Back in uh, 1961, uh, before uh, some in this room were even born, uh, the late, great Dr. W.A. Criswell, uh, who was uh, pastor at First Baptist Dallas uh, and uh, founder of the Criswell Bible College there in Dallas, uh, just a great man of God, uh, one of the uh, instrumental leaders in uh, bringing the Southern Baptist Convention back to the Bible and restoring uh, our traditional uh, direction and uh, helping to reclaim our seminaries and, and uh, the other things that came part of uh, the conservative resurgence. Uh, Dr. Griswell on New Year's Eve uh, of uh, 61 uh, preached a sermon uh, called uh, The Scarlet Thread Through the Bible. Uh, you can uh, still, uh, if you'd like, you can purchase, or even you don't have to purchase, you can go online, you can download uh, for free some, uh, some texts, manuscripts uh, of, uh, of that great sermon. But he basically uh, preached through the Bible uh, and traced Christ from Genesis to Revelation how Christ shows up and uh, in uh, all of uh, all the books of the Bible even uh, back to the book of Genesis. Uh, now some of you are already getting nervous thinking uh, you're wanting to go to lunch. I hope you're not planning on doing that. I'm not. Uh, I'm not qualified. I'm not Dr. Griswell. Uh, but um, he, uh, he did that. Uh, what I do want to do over these next few weeks as we lead up uh, to the Christmas uh, celebration, the Christmas holiday, uh, is I want us to look at the promise. Uh, the promise of Jesus Christ uh, that uh, runs through, uh, in particular, we're going to look in the Old Testament uh, and see uh, mainly what I, I really want to stress to you uh, is how that uh, nothing that has happened, uh, the fall of man, the sin, the crucifixion of Christ, None of that caught God by surprise. It uh, was uh, his plan of redemption uh, all along. And he had this, uh, he, he designed this, that, uh, that at no point was uh, sin and Satan in control, but God uh, was always uh, in control. Uh, and so as we pick up uh, this first reference or prophecy, uh, what we call messianic prophecy uh, of, uh, of Jesus Christ. In the third chapter uh, of the book of Genesis, we had two chapters uh, open the book with, uh, with relative peace, no, no Satan involved, um, and uh, some, uh, some the calmness of not having Satan's interference. We don't have that, uh, that situation again until the last chapter uh, of the book. When we have uh, the last chapter of Revelation, we don't have uh, Satan uh, interjected in that chapter, uh, but uh, as um, we look, and we're going to uh, look, we're not going to look at all of them, because again, the Old Testament is filled uh, with examples uh, of uh, Messianic prophecy. Uh, there are a number of what we call types uh, of Christ, uh, where individuals, their, their life represented uh, 
uh, in an incomplete way what Christ would do uh, and, and be the fulfillment of. Uh, and, and we just simply, I, I could do that every week from now till uh, probably next Christmas and not even uh, begin to cover all uh, of those uh, examples. But uh, we're going to look at some of, uh, some of them. Uh, and, uh, and if you want to get a head start this coming week, uh, if you want to go ahead and read uh, the little book of Micah, you can do that in, uh, in a matter of just a few minutes. In particular, uh, chapter 5 is what we will uh, look at uh, next week as we go through this. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, again, we see this earliest revelation, this uh, first real uh, indication that uh, God has a bigger plan uh, in mind, that he is, uh, that he is intending uh, to send a Savior, that he is intending uh, to redeem man. You know uh, how the first few chapters unveil themselves. We have uh, the creation uh, story, uh, how God spoke uh, everything into existence, and then we have uh, the, uh, the story uh, of Eve and the serpent uh, at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and uh, how he deceived her and she took part, led them to uh, sharing it with Adam as well and uh, the, the fall of man. Then we have the passage we're looking at today uh, is when God comes and actually confronts uh, the serpent or Satan uh, for his uh, for his uh, for his actions uh, there, uh, and it all begins here uh, with these words in uh, in chapter three. It says, "And uh, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this." And uh, I want to spend a few minutes focusing on the this uh, of this passage. What exactly uh, is God speaking to the serpent about? What is uh, he doing? Well, uh, again, you know the story. The this that uh, God is confronting uh, Satan about is the, uh, the this uh, of tempting uh, Eve and, uh, and to eat of the one tree in the garden uh, that God had forbidden them uh, to take part of, to eat uh, from that tree. And uh, again, familiar story. Most of us, uh, whether we've uh, been raised in church or not, we're familiar uh, with the story of the Garden of Eden and, uh, and the fall uh, of man and the serpent and uh, everything that uh, went on there. Uh, we know that uh, Eve takes the bait. She, uh, she falls for uh, the trap that Satan has set. Uh, she takes the fruit. She eats the fruit, uh, carries it home. Uh, I don't know if you ever noticed that about sin, but sin is an interesting thing. Uh, it, it seems like most people are not happy uh, to get into sin themselves. Uh, they want to drag somebody else in with them. Uh, it just uh, seems to work that way. That, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of a, uh, we, we don't want to, you know, we want to bring somebody else down uh, as well. And she, shows, she goes back uh, to Adam and they uh, plunge humanity uh, into the darkness of sin. Bring the curse uh, onto mankind, onto uh, the earth. Uh, bring, uh, again, introduce sin uh, into uh, the life of man. Uh, get them banned from uh, the garden, excommunicated from the Garden of Eden, and put out 
in the Bible says that uh, God tells them that because of this sin, uh, you're going to have to labor, you're going to have to work, says to the woman, uh, you're, you know, the childbirth uh, is going to be uh, painful and agonizing, uh, that uh, it's going to be a, a, a harsh uh, experience. Um, and, uh, and Satan talks, uh, as God confronts Satan, he says to him, he calls him, uh, he calls him uh, subtle. Uh, is uh, the word that uh, the King James uses. Uh, it calls him uh, subtle, or the English, the English Standard Version uses the word uh, subtle or crafty. I don't know if you know anybody that fits that category. Uh, we don't probably don't call too many people subtle, uh, but we do probably know some people who we might label as just a little bit crafty, a little bit uh, sneaky. Uh, and uh, again, the word uh, that is used there, cunning, clever, uh, 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 shrewd, uh, is another definition uh, of the word that... Uh, that um, that, that he uses uh, there. And again, the funny thing about that word is it can actually be a commendable word or it can be a negative word. Uh, it is a neutral word uh, in the Hebrew. It just depends on the context uh, of the sentence. Some people, you know, some people are crafty, uh, and that's a good thing. You, you know, uh, they're MacGyvers. You give them a, a, you know, a chewing gum wrapper and a, um, you know, and a pencil, and, and they can make an airplane. Uh, you know, and, and you know, they're crafty in that way. Some people are are, are shrewd. They're, 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 you know, we talk about people being shrewd businessmen. Uh, it can be a positive thing uh, or it can be a negative thing. Well, uh, in Satan's case, it was a negative uh, statement that uh, he is uh, shrewd. Uh, again, shrewd, the word is not necessarily uh, an evil characteristic. It's what you do with it uh, that uh, makes uh, it evil. For example, uh, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs uh, chapter 1, says one of the, uh, is, uh, it tells us, uh, uses that word, uses the name uh, positive way uh, and says uh, says it's uh, a good thing and describes it uh, as good. It says it uh, uses shrewdness in the management uh, of, of one's uh, affairs. It's uh, again uh, extremely important for us uh, to understand Satan's methodology here and what exactly it is when God says you've done this. Uh, the this uh, that he uh, that he done. A lot of people seem to have this picture of Satan that the world has uh, sold us and uh, got us to believe. We've kind of got him in a uh, you know this uh, this fellow in a pair of red long johns. Uh, you know, and, and many times uh, cartoons and uh, Hollywood portray Satan some, uh, to be kind of a, a bumbler, kind of uh, kind of you know not not, not a, a real. It's kind of a uh, just kind of a again a cartoonish uh, character, uh, one that really doesn't you know. There's no real threat to him. He's kind of uh, not not really dangerous. But uh, it's important for us uh, to understand and see the, uh, the reality uh, of Satan's method. Because you've done this. What? Because you are a, uh, a crafty, cunning, 
deceitful creature, God says, because uh, you, you know, uh, you want to, uh, you're, you're deadly, you're dangerous. Uh, I heard about uh, a family one time that lived by a very uh, busy stretch of road, and uh, the way they disposed of their garbage uh, was they would put it in a box and uh, put a bow on it and set their garbage out by the road, and said it wouldn't sit there but a few minutes, and somebody come rolling up, grab it, throw it in the car, and down the road they'd go. Uh, you know, that's the way Satan does sin. He, he boxes it up. That's the way he uh, does himself. Uh, he, he presents himself uh, as, uh, as, uh, as lovely, as nothing to really fear. Uh, you, know, we have, uh, you know, we have people today who are worshiping Satan, who uh, have the church of Satan. But uh, this passage makes it uh, clear uh, that he is wise, uh, he has understanding, uh, but because of that, he knew exactly uh, how to tempt Eve. And, and, and that's what goes on here. And the thing we need to understand this morning uh, about Satan it is that simple little truth. I mean, you, you've heard me talk about this uh, a number of times, uh, that Satan knows you better than you know you. Uh, he knows exactly what to tempt you with. He knows exactly uh, what uh, is going on. Uh, the Bible doesn't say this, uh, but, but I think it seems to be, to me, uh, pretty clear and pretty obvious uh, that when Eve was tempted, she must have already been standing near the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She must have already been standing there, looking at it, thinking, I wonder why God said we couldn't have anything off of that tree. It's a pretty tree. It's got nice looking fruit on it. Uh, because we don't see, what we see is Satan there, as he tempts her, she doesn't, have to, doesn't seem that she has to travel. She just reaches out. Uh, she was already there, uh, already contemplating uh, what was going on. And so Satan tempts her there. Uh, and, and as I've said, Satan knows exactly. He understands us better than we understand ourselves. And uh, you know, I, I'm going to stick with my same old, uh, same illustration of that. You know, you, you know, I, I, I'm tempted many times, uh, like most of you, to to eat bad, to overeat. Uh, but I have never been tempted to eat a pickled beet. It just ain't going to happen. You know, you, you can surround me. Up. You can throw me in a swimming pool full of them. And you know, I'm not, it just didn't happen. Now, on the other hand, you put one of them little fun sized Milky Ways in front of me, and I'll eat the whole bag. You know, you know, there's you know, just a difference. And Satan knows how to tempt each of us. And he knew how to tempt Eve. Some of you would never be tempted uh, to steal. You know, never, would never cross your mind. You can walk in uh, somewhere. You, you can walk in your bank and your, the teller could have made a mistake and, and left a stack of hundreds laying on the counter and, and you wouldn't touch them. You, if you did anything, you'd pick them up and have, hey, you left these out here. It just wouldn't tempt you. On the other hand, you know as well as I do that there are some people that if they walked in and saw that stack, when the bank counted up that night, they're going to be short a stack of hundreds. Because some people just couldn't walk past it. There's no way. Satan understands that. 
And so when the Bible says that he is cunning, that he is shrewd, that's one of the things that it is pointing to. And so it's extremely important that we know that about Satan and we know what we know that about ourselves. We know where, that we are aware of our own weaknesses. That we are aware of the things that, uh, that, that Satan will put on us. And, and the first step of temptation is in our faults. It's in suggestion. You, know, you, you, you look around at the advertisers of this world. They've got that figured out. They, they know exactly how to do those things. Now, I, I don't know about the new baseball stadium in Canapolis, but I know how the old one was laid out. And one of the things that, that, that I, I noticed in, in, was if you look, the concession stands that were up in, in the stadium, they could have vented though they could have put the exhaust fans for those concession stands most anyway. But you know where they were? They were on the sidewall blowing out onto the audience so that you had to smell what was being cooked. You had to sit there and you would begin to smell the popcorn. You'd begin to smell the food. And you may have came in with no intention whatsoever of eating. But as you sit there and that smell, that aroma, what happens? It puts that thought in your mind. Boy, that popcorn smells good. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a more enticing smell in the world than popcorn. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, and you would smell it, and, and the next thing you know, you're wanting popcorn. You, you know how that works. Listen, marketing, it's, you know, they, they, they market this stuff. There's a reason. For example, when you go into the grocery store, if you look at all the brand name bread, it's always in a yellow wrapper. I don't know why. But it's been proven that that yellow wrapper, you can put the food line bread and poke it up. Doesn't matter. People buy it because it's cheaper. But if it's the premium, if it's the, it's got to be in a yellow wrapper. There's something about they they know how to tempt. They know how to market. And Satan, that cunning, shrewd nature that he has here, is exactly the, the thing we have to be aware of. And, and the first thing. That, that Satan does to draw us into sin is simply put the suggestion out there. To simply get us to thinking those things. To put those thoughts into our head. And that's exactly what he does to Eve. She looks at it and he just kind of throws the thought out there. Notice some other things about Eve's situation. Eve was alone. She was by herself. Dangerous, dangerous position for believers is to be alone. To not have a brother or a sister in the faith. Someone that you can call on day or night and talk through your struggles and what you're wrestling with. You need to have somebody that way and you need to be that person for somebody. You need to be someone that somebody, is there anybody that, that you you and them, you know, you're like this, that they can share that when they're struggling, when they're wrestling, that they can call on you, but that you can call on. Eve was alone. She was where she didn't belong. Why would she even be near that tree? God's told them, don't eat from this tree. 
Why would she even be near it? That young man that worked for me uh, in Anderson, South Carolina. And when I first became district manager and met him, he told me one day, he said, I am a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. At the time, I didn't know his story. That was probably an understatement to say he was a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. That was why he was in Anderson, South Carolina, the company that sent him way down there, away from everybody, in the middle of nowhere, to try to get him away from folks, the bad influences in his life. But on occasion, we would have to send people out of town, send them somewhere else to work. And I found out from some of the other people who worked for me that Carl, that a lot of times in the evening after they'd worked, they'd go out to different bars and places um, and spend their evening. And I found out that Carl was going with them. And I got on it. I said, Carl, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? You told me you're a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. You, down here in Anderson, you've got a wife and a child now. You, you've been sobered up. You're clean. You're doing good. Why are you going there? Oh, I don't drink. I just drink Coca-Cola. I'm just going with them to hang out. To come as a recovering drug addict and alcoholic, you don't even need to be in that environment. You don't even need to be there. Stay at the hotel. And I'll buy you some coats. You stay at the hotel. Don't even go there. Don't put yourself in that position. To have to even make that choice, make that decision of, uh, of whether or not you're going to drink or not. Don't go put yourself in that situation. Just stay out of it. We have to be careful, you know, again, know our weakness, know where we are, and don't put ourselves in those situations. She was evidently, again, already thinking about it when Satan threw it out there. She was, uh, again, she wasn't being careful, and Satan just took that opportunity, and he took that, and he ran with it. And then the second thing that he does is he questions the authority or the acceptability of God's Word. Did God really say? Is that really what God said? Is that really what God said? Listen, we live, that's the world we live in today. Questioning the authority and the acceptability of the Word of God. And then he throws a little bit of doubt out there. You won't really die, will you? You won't really die. You think God was serious about that? You think he really meant it? Do you think there's really a hell? Would a loving God really send people to hell? And that little seed of doubt is planted. And then he follows up with that, the doubt 
with um, this little, just a blade of life. You, he knows that if you eat of this fruit, you'll be like him. You'll be like a God. You'll be like him. And because of that, he just falls in, hook, line, and sink. And because of that, we see the serpent being cursed above all creatures. Because you did this, because you did this, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman. I'm going to put enmity, hostility, division. Here's where we see the promise come in. He says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his head. At that point, third chapter of Genesis, just a few days into mankind, a few days into creation, God says, I have a plan. I'm going to send my son, the seed of woman. I'm going to send her, and I'm going to send him to intervene. I'm going to send him to save mankind. You're going to bruise his heel. Oh, serpent, you're going to strike out. I, I saw a little video the other day, and I'm not real fond of anything along these lines. I, I'm not scared of snakes, of snakes I can see. Now, I don't want to pick up a board out in the yard and one come out. You know, if I can see him right there, he doesn't work. But nonetheless, I just soon not deal with them at all. I, I just soon they weren't around. But I, a little video came up, and this, and I, for the life of me, some of y'all may, I don't know. Some of y'all may have, I don't know. Why it is that people think that snakes make good pants? I just soon have a cat. And most of you know how I feel about cats. When you get your snake trained where I can go, come here. Of course, I can't get my dog to do that either. But, you know, when you get your snake trained where I can call him and he'll come, you teach him a trick or two. That reminds me, I did see one of this all other video. This woman had one of them great big old snakes. I mean, one of them big golly bumper snakes. She had trained that thing, you know, out, those kind of door handles, not that you twist, but have like the bar on them, you just kind of push. She had trained that big rascal. He'd go to the door and rear up and flop down on the door handle and open the door. That's when he got to go. If I can't get behind the door and get away, if he can start opening doors, he got to go. I, you know, I, don't, I, I don't want no snake opening the door. You know, I don't want no snake not opening the door. And I don't understand. Yeah, but this serpent, you, if you've ever seen them, if you've ever seen them, you see them in videos, you may have seen them at the zoo, just how quick they can, you know. That's the thing that worries me about people who handle them, is just how quickly, man, they can strike. Uh, you can't even see it so fast. He says, you're going to bruise his heel. What 
he's talking about. He says, you're gonna, Jesus is going to come. The Redeemer is going to come. He's going to come. And you're going to strike out. You're going to lash out. You're going to bite his heel. You're going to bruise his heel. You're, you're going to injure him. You're going to be the cause of him having to go to the cross. You're going to be the cause of him having to die on the cross. You're going to be the cause of his, of his death there. And you're going to be the reason for that. You're going to lash out. And you're going to attack. And you're going to go after him. And you're going to hurt him. But he's going to crush your hand. This is what I, honestly one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I, I love what it says. Satan, you're going to hurt my son. You're going to injure the Redeemer. You're going to bruise his heel. But if he's going to take his heel, he's going to put it on your head. He's going to crush your scrawny little head. He's going to destroy you. See, Satan may have bruised his heel when they put him on the cross. But when he came out of the tomb, when he was resurrected on that third day, he put his head, his heel on Satan's throat and just ground him and crushed him and destroyed him. The promise, all the way back in Genesis, just days into creation, just short time into, into the history of man. God says, I have a plan. I have, yes, man has fallen. Yes, man is sinful. We fall for the same traps that Eve did. We fall into the same problem that Eve did. We fall for the same deception. Satan is still cunning. He is still shrewd. He is still crafty. He is still sneaky. He still uses the same methods. He still plants little faults into our head. He still gets those things, gets us thinking about things. And eventually the more we think about them and, and they dwell around in our mind, they go and we end up involved in something that we shouldn't be. We end up in places that we shouldn't be. And Satan still operates the exact same way. And he thinks he's running wild. He's having his way. The Bible says he's roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. Father of lies, the Bible calls it. Great deceiver. And he bruised the heel of the Redeemer. Bruising the heel is a nice way of saying what happened to Christ. Because they beat him and they spit on him and nailed him to a cross. pierced his side as his blood flowed down Golgotha. All of hell began to rejoice. All the demons in hell began to celebrate. They began to party thinking they had won. Stood and watched and looked at that tomb. Laughed. We've got it. We've got it covered. 
they thought they'd crushed his hand. Satan thought he'd destroyed the Savior. But on the third day, Jesus comes walking out of the tomb and crushes Satan. See, we live in a world today. You turn on the news, you pick up the paper, Twitter, however you get your news, and when you read these things, you see what's going on in the Middle East, you see the murder, you see the child abuse, you see everything that's going on around us. If you didn't know this passage right here, you would think that Satan had crushed the head of Jesus. You would think that Satan had won. There's, there, there's a lot of days that even believers, we look at this world, we just shake our head. And we wonder, what in the world is going on? Does God see? Does God it just, that's kind of the way it leaves us. It just kind of leaves us speechless and throwing up our hands. And we see what goes on in this world. But I want to remind you of the promise. Satan bruised the heel of Satan, of Jesus. But he didn't crush his head. As I said a minute ago, one of the great truths of the Word of God is again, the first two chapters of the Bible, we don't have Satan. We don't have to, we don't see him mentioned. Oh, he was, he was there, don't get me wrong. We don't see him mentioned. But then from Genesis 3, all the way to the last chapter, next to the last chapter, we see Satan running just a monk. We see the Israelites in Egyptian bondage. We see the Israelites being captured by Babylon. We see the earth being destroyed because of the sin of man with a flood. We see over and over again, we, as we read through the pages of this book, we read of rape, we read of murder, we read of theft, there's not, a sin, there, there's not a crime, there's not a sin that is taking place today that somewhere in this book, from Genesis chapter 3 going forward, that we don't see. Until we get to the last chapter. When you get to that last chapter in the book of Revelation, and we begin to see what the Bible says. As we begin to look at it, as you get there and you read that last chapter, anytime you're discouraged and depressed, anytime you're down and out and you're worried about where this world is headed and you're worried about what's going on, you just take your Bible, put your bookmark there, put your something there that will hold your place, and you go back and you read that last chapter of the book of Revelation. If you can get the pages to turn. It says, Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb 
down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side. The river bearing twelve kinds of fruit produces its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light or the lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And He said these words are faithful and true. Satan bruised his heel. Revelation 22 reminds me that the Redeemer, the promised Savior, crushed his hand. Can I tell you this morning, whatever you're going through, whatever you're suffering, whatever problems you're dealing with, whatever fears you have, they are a result of what happened in that garden. They're a result of sin. A friend of mine posted something on social media this week. Well, he's not really, he's an acquaintance. It's a better way to put it. He's an acquaintance that I haven't seen in 30 years, so that tells you. And I know the background of where he's coming from with this statement, but he posted something on social media, very simple. If there is a God, why is there still all this suffering? And before I could answer it, before I could respond, someone else had come along and said it's all because of sin. It's all because of sin. But the day is coming when the promise crushes the head of Satan. Can I ask you to bow your heads this morning? You came into this place this morning discouraged, defeated, depressed, down and out, that can all be traced back to this incident, to the fall of man, to the entrance of sin into this world. The bruising of the heel I encourage you this morning to quit focusing on the bruising of the heel and to instead focus on the promise of the crushing of the head. The day is coming. I believe sooner rather than later. I believe it could be today that this same Jesus that was promised in Genesis, he was promised again in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we have another promise about the coming of Jesus. This same Jesus, who you see, 
shall return. It could be today that Jesus returns. This morning you're here and you're burdened, you're discouraged, you're depressed. You're down and out. You've been kicked. Life has been hard. Life is hard. You need to come this morning. You need to kneel and say, Lord, I just want to trust you. I want to believe what you say in your word. That you're going to crush his hand. I don't know how many of you watch sports.